yeah, that that Cuban, he scored on me quick and took me down and turned me. He was up 3-0, and I couldn't even break his defense. I remember after that first three minutes going over to the coaches, and I've never said this ever in my life. I said, I don't know what to do. <laughs> I told Kevin, I was like, Coach, I don't know what to do. We can endure anything and adapt and pivot and change. Wrestling gave us that ability. I would say nothing in life has impacted me more than the things wrestling has taught me in terms of self-reflection, resilience. Toughness. Some guys have it, some guys don't. Adversity, 100%. How to pick myself up and be a man after I failed. And everything that has shaped my life and where I'm at today would not be there without the values and basically the the lessons I've learned through the sport of wrestling. For me, wrestling saved my life because it, it allowed me to focus and channel my energy. We're fortunate if you wrestled because if you wrestled, natural talent helps, but it's, it's 5% of the ingredient. It pales in comparison to heart and technique and effort. It humbled me, taught me humility. Nothing can hit, humble you more than wrestling. I think it's the learning to adapt, right? You learn, you learn how to adapt, you learn how to solve problems. You know, if I look back at my time, I spent wrestling. If it gave me one thing more than anything else, it's mental toughness. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Wrestling Changed My Life podcast presented by Spartan Combat. This is your host, Ryan Warner. Our guest today is an all-time legend, folks, Stephen Abbas, Olympic silver medalist, three-time world team member, three-time NCAA champ, three-time California state champ, junior world champ, Hall of Famer, and one of my personal favorites. I've been trying for years to get Steven on the podcast, and I'm so glad it finally worked out. I can't wait for you to hear all the stories, all the tales. We break down a little technique. At one point, Steven was standing up on the Zoom showing technique. Fire podcast, and I can't wait for you to hear it. Fan of the week goes to our friend Travis Hagman, a longtime wrestler from Northern Illinois in the IKWF days, a listener of this podcast. Thanks for reaching out over email, Travis. We appreciate it. Last but not least, folks, this episode is sponsored by Beat the Street Chicago. They're our favorite nonprofit, and they just released a short documentary film on the Beat the Streets National Duels, an event they hosted last June where they brought Beat the Streets organizations from across the country to Chicago to host a dual meet tournament and an immersion experience for these kids. So go to btschicago.org to watch the film. This episode is also sponsored by Quant Wrestling. Quant takes the Moneyball approach to college wrestling. They track and timestamp hundreds of activities in a college wrestling match, input that data into their cloud analytics platform, and on their app, which you can download in the Apple and Google Play stores, you can see detailed statistics on college wrestlers. You can compare different wrestlers. So go to Quant Wrestling on the Apple and Google Play Stores. Quant Wrestling, download the app now. And that's it, folks. Let's give it up for Stephen Abbas. Awesome. Stephen Abbas, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I'm excited about it. <laughs> me too, man. Tell me about, is it Wantu Wazori? How do I how do you pronounce that? Oh, uh, Wantu Azuri. Wantu Azuri. Yes. 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 So tell me about your time in that club and the impact it had on you. So that was my initial wrestling club starting there in Oakland, California. Um I had two older brothers that wrestled, my brother Norman who was 2 years older than me and my brother Jerry who was 6 years older than me. Um Jerry was the first one to kind of get us started in wrestling and then uh um the high school where he was at Oakland Tech had the the club, the one two Azuri club. So um, me and my other brother, Norman, uh, attended there. Um, I believe it was only twice a week, but my memory so long ago. I, I want to <laughs> say it was only twice a week, but um, started there. It was uh, just a little gym in the, in the, in the, uh, at the high school there at Tech. Um, it was just roll the mats out and, and a bunch of kids would just go after it. It was, it was wild, but. But that was where I began. Yes. When did it? Uh, when did it hook you? Um, you know, I, to be honest, 
it didn't hook me at first. Um, you know, being the youngest brother, um, I always got the, the, the S end of the stick. And, uh, um, when they introduced wrestling to me, that was just, Oh yeah, great. One more thing they could beat me up at. Um, so at first it wasn't, I didn't take to it right away. Um, I remember taking a break, uh, quitting. I don't know if it was, you know, a month into, into trying to learn wrestling or what, but I remember quitting. And then I remember coming back. And I remember when I came back that it was more, uh, intense for me. It was, it was important to me. It was, um, I don't know if I could say it was in my blood all of a sudden. Um, It got in my blood, and and, and then ever since, I haven't been able to to shake it. So, um, What do you think changed on that break? I I, I don't know. You know, I was seven years old. You know, I was a young kid, so um, I remember thinking I wanted to get into some kind of karate. You know, I wanted to do some karate, Um, but – I don't know. I don't know exactly what it was that brought me back. Um, I just know that when I came back, it was it was really important for me, and um, and it was uh, just something that I, I I breathed on the daily. So, uh, yeah, and, and you know everyone in the wrestling community remembers Jerry, you know, four time All American, but your brother Norm was a state champion. How often were you guys scrapping during those days? Oh, on the daily, on the daily, uh, on and off the mat. <laughs> so um it was an interesting time with him he was my best friend we did everything together um and so uh wrestling was just that one thing too that that we were able to to connect with and and we worked out all the time it was it was uh we were the same size so i think that was uh was very helpful i mean how many times we go into wrestling rooms and don't have a workout partner mm-hmm. so um so it's nice it was nice to have him around and, and we were both learning at the same pace so um, it's just funny how it turns out that I became the offensive wrestler and he became the counter wrestler. That's just way, way balances out like that. It w- but it wasn't always like that or. Uh, I mean, his, ever since I can remember, you know, I was the little brother trying to get it. So, right. you know, I was, I was pushing him and, and I think at first he was just the big brother, like, Oh yeah, yeah. Whatever little brother. And then, and then eventually I caught him and then he was like, Oh wait, this kid's pretty serious. So, wow. Yeah. I remember Jerry coming on the podcast and talking about the breakdancing scene out in uh, Oakland. And he used to incorporate some of that originality into his wrestling because he's like, in breakdancing, being original is everything. And so he kind of took that same mindset to technique. I don't know if uh, you saw any of that or were, were you around for those days or were you too young? Um, I was young, but I do remember him breaking. Um, I didn't understand it, the whole uh, concept behind it and the, and the deeper meaning of it. Um, uh, but I've become a big fan of it growing up and through high school, having friends that break dance. And, and I've become a big fan of it and, and, uh, and paid attention, the, the whole respect thing and, and the unique uh, uh, aspect of it. Um, and when I heard my brother uh, say that and, and, and use that that correlation um, of being unique, that made a lot of sense to me because um, watching him grow up, uh, watching him wrestle when I was growing up, um, I saw a lot of unique things and things that, that I haven't seen before. And it was a really, real big inspiration for me. Um, and so uh, that all made sense once I heard him uh, make that comparison. Yeah. Well, and everyone who thinks you thinks about all the different ways you could score and the, you know, the unique technique and, it's just that when he said that something kind of clicked and I'm like, Oh, things are, things are lining up a little bit now. Where'd you grow up off, off the mat? Like what was the home like, like, and were your parents athletes? Um, no, no. Uh, you know, it was mostly just my brothers and, and, and my mom, um, uh, growing up and grew up in Oakland. Um, uh, Jerry brought home wrestling one day, me and my brother Norman were just kind of maybe hanging out in the living room. We play, we used to play video games and, um, I just remember him coming home one day and said, uh, come on, Norman, Steven, let's go in the backyard. You're going to wrestle. And we pretty much did everything he told us to do. He was like, go climb that tree. Okay. We'll climb the tree. <laughs> we'll go climb that house. All right. We'll climb the house. And so, you know, on the side, he was kind of uh, teaching us to be ninjas on the, on the, on the down low. Um, so um, we did everything he told us to do. And then one day he just brought home wrestling and we jumped in the backyard and started getting after it. Um, so that was the beginning of it, um, up until then. And so, uh, what took you to Southern California for high school? 
So that uh, has a, a real big story, deep story, um, more involved with, with uh, my mom and, and um, her being able to take care of me and my brother, Norman. Um, me and Norman were, were getting to an age where we started to understand things. Um, I believe I was 14 and he was 16. Um, and so uh, we decided we wanted to, to, to leave the home and move in with our sister in Southern California. And so in the eighth grade, that's when I moved down um, to Southern California. And I met up with a, a great family, the Blancos, um, mm. who, who, uh, who really took us in. And I think we're a, a big part of our, our uh, growth um, through the sport for sure. So that was a big turning point for you guys to, to get a kind of a culture shock to get out of the East Bay and head down South. Yeah, a little bit, a little bit. Uh, um, you know, we we grew up in Oakland, so we're kind of used to the the rough side of the neighborhood. Um, and when we got down to Southern California, we were tested a couple of times, but I think they understood that we knew what was up, mm-hmm. so they didn't really mess with us too much. But um, obviously, with sport and wrestling, we we get our brothers right away from the team, and uh, and went went right into the to the uh, the whole system there. So. And what are the tournaments I didn't realize you wrestled in? I think it was the Cadet Worlds, and it was like you, Kale Sanderson, and Joe Heskett were the medalists. And this is, I'm just based on the timeline. It's got to be like high school time. So what memories do you have of that uh, first international tournament? Yeah, so that was back in 94. I was a sophomore. Um, I had just uh, finished my my uh, my sophomore year in high school. Um and I remember the, the year previous, uh, our teammate, Luis Blanco, Blanco family I was talking about, went to the Cadet Worlds and he won. And that was the first time I had even knew that they had a world championships for 15-year-olds. And I, that blew my mind and automatically just gave me so much uh, drive to try to get there. Um, and, um, and that's what happened. The next, the next uh, world trials that came around, I was all over it. And I'm so excited to try to make the world team. Um, and so I did my thing. I won, won the trials and I made the team. I remember uh, I, I actually have some old pictures of, of that, that team and seeing Joe and, and, and Kale there and looking so young uh, myself <laughs> as well. Um, just cool, cool memories. Uh, that was the first time I ever wrestled somebody from another country. So that really was, I think the beginning of my inspiration because uh, I, I felt things and saw things that, that I thought weren't possible that I thought shouldn't work. Um, and it really just expanded my mind. I think I lost my second or first match to a guy from India mm. and he just had this really weird stance. If we were in person, I would get down and show you my, <laughs> his stance, but it was just really awkward and weird. He was kind of tall and lanky. Um, and he ended up beating me, but I, I won the next few matches and I came back and I won, I took third. Um, um, so, wow. uh, yeah, that tournament was awesome just for the simple experience of wrestling someone from another country and feeling like, wait a minute, you're not supposed to do that. Like, why are you, why is that working? How are you? And it just blew my mind and, and really, um, made me realize that there's so much more out there to learn so much more. And I love the, that. Just hearing that your, that your uh, friend went in 94, got you so excited just in itself. Like you were that excited about it from then. Yeah, I mean, I think there was a certain point. I, I don't know if it was like after my freshman year where I felt like I needed to be tested. Like, where can I test myself next? And to hear him go to the Worlds, I was like, World Championships? I could wrestle in the Worlds? Um, it was just really exciting for me. And I was like, I'm, I'm, I'm going to make that team. So, and you had won a state title as a sophomore in high school that spring? Yes, yes. So you're having uh, a lot of confidence coming off of that, I'm sure. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Especially from California, knowing that, that it's one of the toughest States. Um, yeah. And, and I, and I did it in a, a pretty good way with takedowns and um, stayed solid the whole match. I didn't waver much. So. Yeah. But so yeah. you go to the worlds, take a bronze. And even at this young age, you're, you're already starting to break down and understand technique and really looking at what other people are doing there. Yeah, so um, that w- making the world team was the first time us being able to go to the Olympic Training Center. And so we went to the Olympic Training wow. Center and, and we were able to um, work with some of the best coaches. But 
um, we watched video too. And I think that was the first time I ever really watched um, international wrestling. Um, I was never like a big uh, video nerd growing up, um, kid watching videos. I was just about doing it and, and learning from the coaches. Obviously, it's a lot bigger deal now with all the videos involved. But, um, but back then, it was one of the first times me watching international wrestling. And I watched and I saw that the, the techniques they were doing, they looked so basic. They didn't look like there was any setup. And I was like, what is going on? Those guys are just shooting blindly. This is ugly. <laughs> I was like thinking, this is ugly wrestling. What is this? Um, but it was the highest level of wrestling. And now I realized that I was missing those setups. I was not seeing the the little things that was going on for them to take that shot, the things that, that they could see and recognize, um, the little wow. things that yeah. It's that and it's that detailed. The details that I was missing at 15 years old, now that I realized what was really going on, um, in those setups. And so uh yeah, and that was again, you know, the being exposed to that at a young age and I guess being uh, smart enough to understand it and, and realize that, Hey, wait, what's going on. Um, I think was a huge, huge uh, uh, impact on my success. That's crazy because like you have to be, have that much experience to see that other level. It's like a new set of glasses coming on. Like if you ever, you know, I watch football once in a while and you'll hear Tony Romo break down a play. It's like, he can see things that we can't see the whole time, you know? And, I would, that's why it's like, man, I would love to sit next to someone like you to break down film. Cause I was actually trying to do it with yours. Cause I was watching all your matches yesterday and like you would right hand club and then you would kind of go to a, you'd shoot with your left hand to the, to the high crotch versus the right hand to the knee. And I'm okay. like, that's interesting. So first it wasn't a high C I call it the outside. Okay. Shooting, shooting with my left hand. I end up in a high C position. Like a crackdown. Yeah, but my left hand is attacking to the outside, and I call it the outside because my head goes to the outside, my knee goes to the outside, um, and it's what that does is it eliminates the defense. No longer does he have a sprawl or a wizard. You shoot like that. So something that I've been teaching um, recently, um, it's one of my best shots. I call it the outside, um, and yeah, that that little motion with the head—that's just a little little setup. So and like you would up. hit that and then the left hand's free just goes right to it. And it's like, there's no, def there's nothing in between. There's no defense. Like you said, right. Where, where'd you pick that up? Well, it, it started with an idea. Um, I think my brother told me one day that there was this guy from Oklahoma state, Alan Freed, that used to shoot single legs with his head on the outside. And he just, the thought, just those words coming out of his mouth made me think again, like, what do you mean shooting your head with down now? We're not supposed to do that. And so I tried it. And I tried it again and it started working. And then I started doing it in a way where guys were just falling over. I'm like, whoa, okay, this is something <laughs> here. Um, and when I started doing it, some of the coaches like Jackson, Kevin Jackson were, were picking, looking at it and said, wait, what was that? What's going on? How'd you, how'd you do that? Show, show us that one. Um, and so, uh, yeah, it was just uh, something, an idea that, that spawned into to actual um, – one of the best shots out there. Would you go to the shuck if that wasn't working after that? Cause you still had the right collar or was it um, not as connected? Well, that's the thing is if you leave your hand up here and you take that shot, you're off balance. If you leave it up here, you gotta, you gotta bring this down. So it's a committed shot. Um, mm -hmm. if, if you don't get it, you, I mean, you kind of got to land in a strong enough position where you can recover. Um, but basically when I get this collar tie like this, uh, natural reaction is for them to grab collar tie. So as soon as that arm's coming, reaching, I'm going. Right, right. And so it's a it's a timing thing. Um, but uh, you hit it against Batirov in the O3 Worlds, but off a real uh, shot, man. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I whew, that was a good match. That was a good match. You bring up his name, I, I, I get, I get chills. <laughs> I know, I know. You're thinking 04. I'm thinking 03 though, where you had him in the yeah. first round, and then in the quarters, you had the dude who got silver up 5-0. It's like you were hitting that man. Like those yeah. weights were so deep back then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, uh, it was a good, good year that year. How old were you when you, when you think? Jerry said that to you about the uh, the head on the outside. Um, You're in high school. I, I, I think I was in college. I was in college. Yeah, I might have been young, like freshman, maybe. Yeah. Okay. 
And when you well, get to college, so you win three state titles, Fargo, you win the junior worlds. Um, I know I, I want to go back real quick. What was it like when you went to Moscow for the junior worlds? That had to be pretty uh, sweet to go to the motherland. Yes. Well, that was my first time out of the country. So to go to Moscow, um, as a 18 year old kid was, was awesome. Um, just the, just the sights, the, the, you know, the experience, the, the thought that I could say, Hey, I was at the red square. Um, you know, if I think about it now, I probably wouldn't want to go back. I don't want to go back to Moscow. There's really nothing there for me, except for maybe some cool wrestling. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, but, uh, but yeah, that was awesome experience for me. I mean, I just saw a lot of crazy things. Like uh, I remember the food, um, they were trying to serve us food and none of us wanted it. So uh, one of the parents went out to the market, and found this old lady that was cooking chickens under the ground. <laughs> <laughs> and she was the old lady chicken. We gotta get the, where's the old lady head? Let's get the chicken. <laughs> we were searching around <laughs> the market for her. It was so funny, but uh, yeah. Yeah, that was a good, great ex first experience out of the country. Did you go, did you guys take a trip down to like Dagestan or, or Chechnya at all? Or did you stay in the Moscow area? No, I think we just stayed in Moscow. Yeah. Yeah. We're, we're, uh, I don't think we, we weren't were able to travel much. Can you, you look at those rosters, man. Those are some those studs on those teams. I mean, your teammates back then, I mean, Guerrero was a, a California guy, but yeah, just all those guys were like, who were some of the guys on that Moscow trip? Oh, let me try to think. Uh, Quinn Foster, I think uh, T.J. Jaworski, um, T.J. Hill. Wow. Um, Zach Thompson from Iowa State. Okay. Yeah. A few men I remember, yeah. So, like, you were one of the early ones doing the, like, the age group worlds all throughout high school, and – you know, I had heard you say in other interviews that you wanted to stay in California because you felt a certain pride to stay in California for college. And you end up at Fresno State with the great Dennis Delito. Why why is it that you've said in the past that the NCAA tournament is like the most exciting tournament you could go to or like or wrestling? Like I've heard you say that in a few other interviews. Number one, because of the fans. The fans know what's up. So when the fans know what's up, the energy in the room intensifies a thousandfold. There's no energy like the NCAA tournament. I've been to tournaments all over the place. There's nothing like that place um, to actually compete and to be on the mat and to wrestle against an Iowa guy where the crowd is against you. First time every crowd has ever been against me wrestling an Iowa guy. And, uh, and uh, yeah, all those experiences. Get, is that with Jurgens? Yes. Did yes. it get to you? Like you noticed it? Uh, I, I think it did. Yes. I was ranked number two in the country. I had one loss all year and I wrestled Jurgens in the quarterfinals. The semi, uh, uh, the NCAA is my, my first year. And, uh, he's, he's ranked six. I'm two. And, uh, I remember the first time he took me down and the crowd went crazy and I don't know why I got so tired. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, the combination of Iowa and the crowd, the sixth man got to me. I think it got to me a little bit. I think it did. I wasn't ready. I wasn't ready. That quarterfinal round, quarter round of the morning is so crazy on Friday morning. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Wow. And you uh, you put a lot of whoopings on on Iowa guys over the years. Strip Matter, Eustace, and and uh, yeah, that I forgot about that Jurgens match because that was down at 118. Right. That was the first year they bumped the weight classes up to 25. Okay. So at the NCAA tournament, they we weighed in the first day only. 125, first day only, no weigh-ins after that. And um, they checked our weight the next day. And I was like 127 or something like that. That's right? it? Yep. And, and Jurgens came in at like 140. <laughs> I was like, whoa. Wow. But – uh. Yeah, that was the first year that they did that, and and then I think after that they changed it. But my senior year, I was weighing in three times, once a day. Yeah, no, at same weight too. Scratch weight. My senior year sucked. Yeah, I was gonna say, did you have a hard time making weight? I did. I was a little older too. Um, I think I was twenty five at the time. I had two redshirt years, so I was twenty five at the time of my senior year, um, and I was I was cutting about twenty pounds. 
just about 20 pounds. Um, I was wow. on a liquid liquid diet for two weeks. The last two weeks, I was on a liquid diet. No. Seriously? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I, and I don't know if that was, like, totally necessary, but that's what I needed to do to get, get down to where I needed to be mentally and physically. Uh, so, so what was your routine? Like a bottle of Gatorade in the morning or? Oh, no. It was those uh, those little meal packets. You put a, put it in water, um, protein shakes or whatever. Um, meal packets. I was I was big on Advil care. Mm. I was big on Advil care, so um, God, I I would do that. And insurers, we'd have a lot of insurers. Um, and I was disciplined. I mean, I think about it now. I'm thinking like, man, I could never do that now. Like, I, but but uh, you know, the time you're focused and dedicated and goal driven, so do it. I was gonna ask you when you're doing that kind of thing. From the technical side, it seems like you were really enjoying it, and it was a process of discovery for you. Was there ever bumps in the road where you hit like a dip in motivation and you weren't as motivated to keep going? There was a point my senior year where it was almost like I felt like I wanted to lose just so I felt alive again or something. You know, I was going undefeated. I was undefeated the last three years, and um, it was it was like that was like crossing my mind, like. What if I just lose? Would I feel better? What if I got hurt? Would I feel better? Um, you know, things like that were crossing my mind. But um, I've had good coaches around me, and, and they were able to talk me through it and, and get my mind right. It was brief. It wasn't very much and it wasn't often. But I had my moment. One moment. <laughs> <laughs> You're thinking of one in particular? Or? That, that one. That yeah. One I just, talked about yeah yeah well it's crazy because in 01 you go to the world championship so now you're at the the highest level you're at the you know the the again the highest level the nfl if you will but then you got to go back to college the next year like that had to be a challenge oh no it was exciting it was, it was exciting okay. for me I, I was gonna see what i can do next what, what can i do on this level now i won what did i win 85 86 straight is the number yeah so, um, yeah, I, I wanted to, to go out and dominate, right. And, and show, show the world what I've learned on the international scene. Um, that was, uh, I think always a, a big part of my wrestling is putting on a show. You know, I, I and that stem stems from Jerry. Jerry was, was the uh, performer from dancing. He was the performer. Me, on the other hand, I was, a, had that in the back of my head, but at the same time, I, I wanted to win. I had a big uh, drive to to succeed and and win. So. And when did your goals solidify on like the 04 Olympics? Like when did that become a reality for you that and you're putting plan into action to make a run for either 2000 or 04? Um, well, in 2000, I, I had my redshirt year. I had an Olympic redshirt year, so I left left school for that. Um, so I I you know made a a, a big decision then to to try to make that team. Um, I fell short. I think I took third or fourth, fourth, I, I forfeited for third. Um, but, uh, but you know, those next few years when I made the first team in 2001, I've always uh, made it a point for myself to, to be, uh, to be stable and, and persistent and uh, not falter. If, if I win a tournament this year, I got to win it next year. I can't, what am I going to place third next year? I can't. And that's why I always, didn't understand how these guys would go to the NCAAs and they'd win and then they'd lose and then they'd win and they lose. For me, it was not a choice. I, I got to go win. That was my drive to just do better. Um, so in, in 2001, when I made that first world team, that was the beginning. I was like, okay, now I gotta, I gotta be here. I, this is my spot. Um, and so when 2004 rolled around, um, Sam Henson decides to come out of retirement. Um, he was retired for three years and, um, last Olympic representative. So um, it, it brought a little bit of, of nerves to me, but at the same time, I felt like my skills were way better than his. And I think it showed in the match um, technically wise. I and mean, he's super strong and he uses that uh, quite a bit. Um, he was wrestling uh, Teague Moore in the finals of that tournament in the trials. I remember if you remember that match. I don't remember but, that one. Uh, he was, he was, Teague was beating him. Teague Moore was my number one competitor throughout my career. Um, and he's, and he's beating uh, Henson in the finals three to zero. 
and there's like 30 seconds left and they put Teague down and, and Sam, and I'm Sam turns them, Sam turns them three times to win the match. So I'm sitting there in the stand, like preparing myself to wrestle Teague. I'm like, all right, I got to wrestle Teague. And then, and then I'm watching this. So I'm like, yes, I was so excited that, that Sammy won just because I knew the, the, the styles would have, would have matched up. So um, yeah, that was a, an amazing a, a year that year. And so in 2004, you know, I, you know, just total confidence, total confidence, got to make this team. And man, I, when you talk about putting people down, so I watched the match when you wrestled Henson in, in 2000 at the nationals, you were battling them and they, and they kept putting you down, which is, I didn't understand why. And then Henson would throw the, the double boots in and mm. he was like, that had to be one of the most uncomfortable 20 seconds Freddie wrestler with Sammy Henson with double boots in. Uh -huh. And man, he was tough there. And I think he might even turn you in 2000 just at the end of the match, though. But you guys were like even on your feet. And then in 04 at the U.S. Nationals, I think you were up like 3 0 on him and they put you down and he put him in and just ripping, man. So that's what happened to Teague at the trials. Yes. Through the wow. double legs and, and did the gut that he does. Yep. God. And it's funny because there was a certain point where I figured that out. I figured him out and he wasn't able to do that to me. There's a point in the trials, one of the matches where he throws those double boots and I just sunk or sink down, sit mm -hmm. down. He's not, he doesn't budge me at all. So there was a certain point where I figured him out and he wasn't able to use anything against me. What do you think the biggest change in your game was from the 2000 trials to 04 trials? Oh man, uh, two national titles and, you know, all that international experience, wrestling, um, wrestling with the men on the daily, going out to the training center, working with the best coaches, all those things combined, combined with my attitude and learning and trying to get better every day, um, all that stuff, all that. Mm -hmm. um, it was all a positive experience, growth um, from for those four years, making, making that uh, turn for the team. When did you move to the OTC? I actually moved out there in 2004. Um, that was the first time I moved out there, uh, right, right before, uh, um, just to train for the year. So, so like January 04 or like, yeah, 03? I'm not sure the exact date it, it, it was, um, I was there for a full year though. So, um, just Is that when Sergey was the coach. Yes. Yes. There's some, uh, I have some thoughts about that. <laughs> Let's hear them. Uh, just, uh, I mean, I'm wrestling the Russian in the finals and his and and our head coach is head coach, brother's head coach over there, twin head coach. <laughs> they must have talked about me. I don't know. I just it just doesn't seem right to be a Russian coach in the room with us. I mean, we've we've competed with them forever and um yeah, times are different, we're diplomatic, whatever. It's nice to get a experienced coach. I remember when Sergey was in there, he didn't show me much. Like he tried to throw, he tried to show me an arm spin, an arm spin. Yeah. That's a deep, deep old Russian move. But he was like, <laughs> he, he didn't have any like specific learning or teachings for me. Um, so you were fully in the resident program, like a resident athlete. Yes. Who was the other guys in the resident program at that time? Um, I can't say there was any guys that were on the team that were living there except for me. Um, oh, wow. Yeah. Everybody else was coaching somewhere. Right. Uh, I think uh, Eric was in Oklahoma. Um, they were all in their other schools. Uh, most doing most of their training. I think I was the only one that made the full, full time move there to, to get ready. Yeah. I think full heart might've been out there, but that's it. Was he out there? Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. He, he was there. To a, to a, three matches but is that what he is that what he told you yeah i remember he he was the one guy to beat kale in a stretch of 10 years or something right <laughs> yeah and when yeah. they we, we made a point you know those those times we make a point in, in the room uh the coaches tell us you know you can't lose that match you can't lose a match at the worlds that means you're out you can't lose that match and so we made it a point i mean even in the trials two out of three you can't lose that match um, and so, yeah, when he beat him, it was like, wow, crazy. Wow. Kale's a champ came back and did what he's supposed to do. 
He had a uh, he had a crazy draw, but so did you at the Olympics, man. Your pool round, you took out the world silver medalist and the world champ. Like yes. that's a death pool. My crazy. first two matches, right, right. Uh, it's funny because uh, um, we're right after weigh-ins. Zeke Jones comes over with the brackets, and he goes, "You know, you want to hear your first two matches." And usually I don't. Usually I'm like, I don't know. Nah, I don't even want to, I want to know. He's like, you got the Cuban and the and the uh, other guy that you beat, Moldova. I'm like, oh, okay. And I just laughed. I just laughed like, really? Oh, my <laughs> gosh. Okay. And, you know, I didn't, I didn't trip out. I didn't, didn't fret, didn't, didn't panic. It just. Again, cleared my mind and focused like any other tournament. The oh, Cubans are so tough. Those guys. Oh, yeah. Dude, those lightweights. And people forget that in 05, you went up and took out, was it Quintana? Yes. At 133? Yeah. Like, yes. so you, you've put some some L's on the Cubans, but that, I was just talking to uh, him or who it was about how good the Cubans were in the 2000s. Like, they had some great teams um great freestyle teams during that time mm -hmm. so did you wrestle the cuban first or the moldovan first i wrestled the uh moldovan first yes yes and then the cuban second right yeah um yeah that that cuban he scored on me quick and took me down and turned me he was up 3-0 and i couldn't even break his defense i remember after that first three minutes going over to the coaches and i've never said this ever in my life i said I don't know what to do. <laughs> I told Kevin, I was like, coach, I don't know what to do. And Kevin almost sounded like he didn't know what to say because he never got, he never had that said to him before. So he, he stood up and he goes, well, you just got to bang him. You got to move him. You got to bang him. You got to move him. And I was like, okay. <laughs> so <laughs> that was it. And I ran back out to the mat and I did that. I started putting my hands on him, turned up the heat on him. And, and sure enough, he, he started to waver and fell, fell down. So um, I, I tell, I tell, I told Jackson that story uh, last year at the trials when I saw him, he totally forgot about it. And he, yeah. I think he was happy that I reminded him that he, he got me through that match. Like just, just saying those words to me was enough to get me going. And um, you turn that dude with like 20 seconds left. Yeah. It was like 10 seconds left. Yeah. Ah, was yeah. it really? Oh man. Yeah. That last takedown, though, I just kind of like, I just kind of level changed and pulled on his arm a little bit. He just, he just fell down. Uh, yeah, he had a wall, man. Yeah, he did. He did. Wow. And then so after he, that, you go ahead. No, he was just kind of known for that. I think he was. He would hit the wall. Had you wrestled him in like the Pan Ams or the Worlds at all? I wrestled him in the Pan Am Finals. Yep. Went to overtime. Went to the clinch. That's when we had to lock up in the clinch. Went into the clinch. Went into overtime. Um, and when I beat him there, that's why they didn't send him to New York for the Worlds because I beat him there. And they're like, well, if he can't beat the American, why would we even send him to the, to the Worlds in New York? Seriously. So they, so they didn't send him that year, yeah. Wow. They don't play. <laughs> they don't play. Well, I mean, yeah. They Money's money. tight. So I'm trying to think how the Olympics was. So you had the two pool matches. Did you have your quarters match in the first day of the Olympics as well? I think the quarters was the next day. I want to say, I want to say it was the next day. Um, I remember one thing about the Olympics is that uh, something I never did before was those ice, ice baths. Mm. Um, but after my match, um, they were amazing. I felt like uh, my body was brand new. I was so refreshed for my next match and I would do it after every match. So um, it was really awesome. Um, but the quarterfinal match, I wrestled the uh, Chinese got Chinese representative. Um, and, uh, I remember dumping them for three, hit them like a three, three point double. Um, one thing I was paying attention to as the tournament was going on was the score. I remember looking at the scores and I believe I scored seven points in each match. And I was like seven, 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 seven. All right. Seven. Lucky number seven. Let's go. Yeah until my, my semifinals when I won 3-0. Um, but, yeah, that was uh, one of the things I was thinking about while I was wrestling out there. That you want to put up seven on each guy? Yeah, yeah. Wow. 
what was the what was like your first impressions of the Olympics, the village, the opening ceremonies? Like what did it meet your expectations? Oh, well, you know, uh, when we first got there, we, we were there a couple of weeks ahead of time and we actually trained at a separate site. We were at a, a different site um, and we didn't even go to the Olympic Village until maybe two days before we competed. So it was towards the end of the Olympics when we, oh, wow. when we went down to the village. Yeah. So you're not in there like the whole two weeks. You're no. at a separate place. We were at a, a whole separate uh, for just our team. It was just our wrestling team the boys and girls. Mm -hmm. um, we had our own uh, cafeteria, our own gym, our own mats, um, everything, our own hotel, all off, all off the, the side of, of where, we're, where the Olympics were. Um, but when we got to the Olympics, like two days before, um, it was awesome because, you know, we would go in and just these huge uh, four-story buildings everywhere. And uh, they take us to the cafeteria and the cafeteria has every food from all over the world. Each country has their own little station. Um, so it was, I, I like food and I was trying stuff from other countries and a little goat from Jamaica and a little, <laughs> try this, let me try this. Um, and so uh, that was like one of the most memorable things, the cafeteria, like all that food, so many athletes walking around. Um, and then and then at night, they were partying. Like we were, we had our tournament. We couldn't party, but everybody was done with the Olympics. They were done and they were out partying and hanging out of their balconies, waving their flags and just chanting and just having a great time. And um, I think that was when we got the true uh, Olympic uh, feel there when we got there. Um, and so. Uh, they had the went to the to the wrestling room and it was a big uh, factory or whatever, big giant building and had about, I don't know, 50, 60 mats down and each mat was curtained off. I was thinking, I was like, what? They got these curtains. Each country said you can't see what the other country's doing. Like, okay, okay. Wow. Yeah. So we weren't ever, I mean, we went there to go like lose a few pounds, you know, last, last minute pounds and get a little quick workout, but um, but the tournament was about to start. So, so the teams, none of the teams were there. It was only just guys scattered around trying to make weight. I, I, I went into, I went into the locker room where the saunas were and I see this fool Batirov with four coaches around him, holding him up, oh. holding him up. He's dead. Like he's, he's, I don't know how long he's been in the sauna, but he's butt naked. And these four coaches are holding him up. Like we're walking in the shower. He's like in the shower and they're like walking around with them. And I walk in, I'm look at him like, dude, dude's hurting. Oh. And, and I, I was, and I remember like the year before, I think, uh, uh, I think um, our coach uh, was telling us that he has a hard time making weight. So when I saw him then, I was like, man, dude's hurting. He's not even make weight. I'm like, eh. And so I remember feeling great. Like I um, started doing the intravenous, the, the IVs, um, but like the nationals that year and then the trials, I did it again. And then when I got to the Olympics, I had done it so good that I didn't even need it. I didn't even want it. I didn't even want the IV. I felt so good. My body was just, uh, I just did it right. And I was, wow. and I was focused and ready. Uh, so but you saw him, so like this is like the day of the weigh-ins, and like you walk in there and you see him the day just, before. Yeah, day before. The day imagine before. sleeping that night under that I condition. Know. Oh, I, I couldn't even imagine. But oh, you know, they they gave God. him something at, at the end of the day. They gave him something. Oh yeah, uh, that stuff that can't be traced. Dude, I was uh, I was looking going down the rabbit hole of Basit Kudakov, who I love to watch. I love his technique. I was Good. crushed that he. He was killed, but I was crushed that he tested positive. Like uh, in, in 2017, they retested all the samples from London and he uh, tested possible tested positive for like a really like blatant anabolic steroid, like mm -hmm. not even like anything on the sneak, you know? So uh, they, yeah. they let him keep his medal because he had passed away. But oh, man. Uh, and then you hear yeah. that maybe they were being forced to take it. Maybe they weren't. Who knows? You know, but I'm right, sure in 04, right. that stuff was going down. If it, if it was going down in 08, I'm sure it was going down in 04. Man, the, the, how fresh he looked the next day. I was like, what? You were about to be dead in that sauna. I saw you try to, wow. yeah, he looked, he looked super strong. He beat the world champ the next day. He beat the world champ. 
Damn. Yeah. <laughs> so he didn't. Man, that was a that was a crazy quad because you guys had a different champ every year, right? A world champ from oh one oh two oh three. Yes. Yes. Two was the Cuban. Uh, one was the one of the uh, Belarus. No, not Belarus. Uh, one one of those. I think countries. it was Belarus. Was it Belarus? Yeah. Yes. Yes. Belarus was a one Cuban, and then another Russian country, uh, Uzbekistan. Uzbekistan wanted in three, and then uh, was it Mansarov? Was it? Nope. Nope. He came after he was, that. He was the same weight class, but there was two guys there at that weight. Wow. And the the other guy was a little bigger, a little stronger. Um. Yeah, uh, and then and then Batira beat him like second round of the Olympics. They were in the same pool. Holy smokes! Yeah, and, and for him to be dead to beating the world champ the next day, I mean, come on, dude. <laughs> Man, we had Putin in the closet or something. We Putin, don't. Even... <laughs> yeah. So you um you go to the finals and you know you wrestle Batira off, take a silver medal, and I was reading some articles that you had done like in October, November that year. At this point, so like October 04, you're you're dead certain on coming back in 08. And 05, you move up a weight class. 06, you have your first ACL surgery. What was that process like going through those injuries and, and trying to get back? Um, well, for the longest time, I've always said that I was gonna wrestle till my body gave out. And that was really my first big injury. Um, I wasn't ready. Mentally, I wasn't ready for that. Um, so I couldn't, I couldn't just quit. I just, I felt like I had to, it was an accident. There's no way that should have happened. And so um, I was in rehab for a year and a half or no, a year, a year. Uh, I tore my ACL and my LCL. Um, so the recovery process was, was long. Um, I remember the, the uh, rehab being, being long. Um, but uh you know, when I was all done, said and done, um, I had the opportunity to, opportunity to go back out to Colorado. So I did that. Um, and I felt like if I was ever going to try to make that team again, that's where I need to be. Um, so I moved out there and um, I was on the mat for about three months. Um, three months until I was wrestling with uh, Kendall Cross one day in practice. And he tore that same ACL in my right knee um, with his famous high gut. He was, I, my ego was telling me that he, he couldn't turn me. Um, and so we, we went back out there after practice. After practice, I was like, hey, man, you can't turn me. And, uh, and he broke my knee instead. <laughs> so, wow. uh, so being there at the Olympic Training Center was very uh, – beneficial because i had all the best doctors and and all the best rehab right there on site so they i was in surgery the next day they put me in it was good to go and so i rehabbed for the next six months there at the training center to get ready um, for the 2008 trials um, about two about a month month and a half before the trials uh this high school kid comes in and tears my left acl no, and that's why I had that big brace when I was wrestling in the, in the finals in the in the trials there that year. Uh, ACL gone in my left knee. Dude, oh. I didn't realize this. The one happened. I knew that you'd retore the first one, but I didn't know the the other one happened. Mm-hmm. So a high school kid, just some yeah. random thing or what? Yeah, yeah, just moving like he's not supposed to, doing something he's not supposed to. Right. Uh, what was, was the? Tw- Sorry, go ahead. I was just towards the end of practice, so. Man. Yeah. What was the resident program like under Terry Brands? Um, uh, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, I can't say it was any any different. Uh, the the intensity was the same. You know, we're working hard every day. Um, other than his antics, personal antics, coming in the room with the speedos on, stuff like that. He <laughs> came in with the speedo on. Yeah, you know, he's trying to get his workout, man. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, yeah. He's an intense guy, and and I think he really uh, took to to uh, to Henry. Henry took to him, too. Uh, so. Why do you say that? Uh, they, well, I remember Henry, 
even thinking about retiring unless Terry was in his corner. Uh, so uh, I know they made a, a huge connection that year, and uh, I think he really needed them in his corner to succeed. So I know they made that connection. Yeah. And did you work out with Henry when you were at the OTC? Uh, I I did early in his career. Um, towards the end, uh, we didn't work out much. Um, one one match we decided to wrestle, and he shot a little single and laced me out of bounds like five times. And so I, uh, I got up and left, you know, I was pretty upset about that. And, uh, and then the next day he calls me out again, <laughs> the balls on this kid. He's like, what's up, Abbas? You want to go again? <laughs> like, like, no, no. <laughs> oh, I'm all right. <laughs> so, but uh, no, I didn't work out with him too much. It was, that was the last time. And you guys were going full go when the, the the first match happened. Yeah, yeah, you know, I he took he shot a low single and and I you know I I guess I didn't react like I probably should have, but you know, I fell right into the lace. How that low single goes, you fall right into that lace there. And yeah. As well. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, I didn't feel like I needed to give him any more ammo or any more mental juice. Uh, that's him, funny. He asked the next day to go again. The next day, I was like, "Oh man, that's that." I've never done that. Nobody's ever done that to me. I don't remember anybody ever doing that to anybody else. <laughs> and one and two, right? The number one and two. Yeah. Well, one year with Teague, Teague Moore was the number two. I was the number one, and we're at the training center. It was a training camp going on, and we're we were partners that day. Never again. Never since or before or after. Uh, but it was clinch day and we're going into the clinch and uh, he was just throwing me all over the place. I could not score on that clinch for nothing. Practice, practice. He's whooping me up. And so we end up wrestling in the trials that year, 2002. And sure enough, we go to the clinch and I know he's so excited, but the way the rules were and everything, like, if you didn't lock up right or if somebody bent over, they're always blowing the whistle and saying beep, 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 or whatever. And so they eventually just put me down. I was like, I'll go down. <laughs> I don't want to lock up. <laughs> so that's what happened. I saw that match actually on YouTube. It's out there. Yeah, it was like it just seeing all that nonsense around like locking the clinch and the one guy's backing out, the other guy's not. It's just so such a bad look for wrestling. I'm so glad the rules are how they are now. Yeah. Um you know, without with I mean the leg clinch was worse, but that was the yeah. the body clinch. Yeah. So when you uh when you look back to that 08 series, even though you were banged up, how did you won the first match, right? Or the second match you won? Second match. Yeah, won the second match. What happened in that match? Um, well, the first match, I remember taking a shot and I should have got two, but they went two two with it. We end up and the very end of the match, he's in on a single leg, and I got this deep whizzer tight, tight. And there's no way that I've ever lose this position. I got this whizzer tight, but I remember looking up and relaxing. And that never, ever lost focus ever like that. And relaxing, and he lift arm and took me down to win the match, to win the first match. That was how the first match ended. So the next match, I remember just feeling uh calm and uh almost like that first match was a fluke that was my mentality like he shouldn't even beat me like that was my confidence going into that second match um i, I don't remember what the score was but i think i beat him by a few points um what was his like style and feel like at that point um i can't i can't say it was he was he was fast he was flexible um that's that's really all i can say um i i remember watching him in the olympics that year got up every morning at two in the morning to watch him wrestle um and he would he would get away with some things because of his flexibility and because of his speed um i watched i i saw his saw what happened wow so even after the fact because you uh, because I had read that you knew going into the trials, even if you won, you were going to leave your shoes on the mat because it was your last time wrestling in the States. Yeah. 
that was my plan. Uh, I think about that now. I'm like, man, did I mind F myself there and tell myself I'm going to lose? <laughs> right. Uh, but yeah, that's that was kind of the plan because people don't do that unless they lose, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. Well, the, the last thing I wanted to ask you about is just kind of more in general about wrestling is, you know, a lot of parents listen to this show who have never wrestled and they're, you know, they're trying to understand how to help their, their kid and, and get better. Like, what was your like biggest philosophy to like growing and learning? Like, was it something you focused on daily and went into practice intentional about like, what was your philosophy about improvement? You know, I think um, in- initially it's, it's all about fun. That was the one thing that my older brother kind of instilled in me at a young age to have fun. Um, and so I used that as kind of my base. Um, but then my desire to get better, my drive to learn was what uh, propelled me to, to win as much as I did, to be as success, successful as I was. Um, and, uh, you know, winning a title didn't mean that I was the best winning the title meant I, I, now I got to get better. I got to win the next title. And so that was my drive to always learn, try to always try to get better. No matter, no matter how much I win, no matter who's in the practice room with me, um, I'm going to get my work in. I'm going to learn something. I'm going to get better. That was my base and my, my mentality. And were you someone who was into visualization? Yes, yes, yes. Tell um, me about that. I love hearing about visualization. Oh yeah, and I think that was instilled in us early in Wantu Azuri. Um, you know, uh that early. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, you know, just winners never quit, quitters never win. Chant chanting this in practice. Um uh it's not the size of the dog in the fight, it's the size of the fight and the dog. Um, you know, these things like that like just inspire me to to try to get better and, and learn and, and grow. Um, I, I know that there's other guys out there that got some skills. So I'm like, man, let me learn that. Watching uh, Satya move, like, whoa, what is that? And so, you know, he was a big inspiration as I as I hit the international scene. Um, and and as 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 people see me wrestle past 2001, they start to see that that Satya flow. Wow, I didn't know that. I love Satya. His slide by, he won the 95 Worlds against Leopold with like four slide bys in the finals. Just <laughs> boom, boom, boom. I'm like, I was never a slide by guy. I don't know. I don't have the feel for it. But to watch him do that on command, oh, it's unbelievable. So what'd you I've pick up from him? Uh, I picked up his his overhook, his overhook takedown where you step behind the leg. Okay. And uh, it's it's one of the most effective moves, and you catch guys slipping bad. I seen him do it to a Cuban, and Cuban fell on his face. <laughs> uh, like I, he barely touched the dude. And this is a world. This is a World Cup. Like this is the best Cuban. He just made him fall on his face. Wow. So I was like, I was blown away by him when I first saw him in two thousand one. Um, I was blown away, and I I it was funny. I I uh um. I asked for some video. I was like, Hey man, you got some video on that guy. Let me watch, let me watch that move he's doing. Wow. Joe, Joe took him down that year. I think. Yeah. In Oh one. Uh huh. Freaking blast double. So you got, Oh, I forgot about, there's so many things I didn't get to ask you about, which we'll have to, we'll have to hit on another time. I have to run sure. in three minutes, but yeah. um, dude, Oh one, you make your first world team. Are you at Colorado Springs getting ready to take off when 9-11 happens? Or, like, how much delayed were the uh, Worlds that year? No, yeah. we. I was at home when the news hit. Um, and then we got the call, conference call from the, the coaches saying that uh, we weren't going to go. And uh, I remember telling telling them, I'm like, man, I trained my whole life for this. And we're going to Iran, the best country in the world in wrestling. And I'm going to go anyway. That's isn't it? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. 01, it was delayed. Oh, that's right. Oh, yeah. Because I'm so, like, um, so if the yeah, worlds so, are normally in September, I'm like, you guys had to be like a week away from leaving. Right. Um, we we postponed it to like, it's like, oh, uh, October or something. Wow. Yeah. That's so crazy. Because like a couple yeah. guys, like I think Kale had, he was on the team, then then he bowed out because it was like during the college season. So it's like the whole mm-hmm. world championships just got moved out. Like that's. That's a that's a crazy time. And then, like you said, no two, it was in Tehran, and we didn't go. Right? That's right. That's right. That had to be brutal. Like, what was that? Hearing that news? 
Yeah, you know, when I first heard it was in Iran, I was like, we're not going. But then the, then Kevin Jackson convinced me to wrestle and, and, and claim my spot again. Um, and so then after we made the team, then they were like, oh, yeah, we're not going to go. And I was like, I'm going to go anyways. <laughs> and, uh, uh, man, I'm going blank with his name. A longtime coach from Iowa State. Bobby. Bobby was like, I'll go with you, Abbas. <laughs> I was like, all right. Man. Well, Stephen Abbas, man, it's been a pleasure and an honor to spend this hour with you, man. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Any last words before we sign off, sir? Thanks, Ryan. No, I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. I think uh, the world saw a little different side of me today. So I appreciate that. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this episode of Wrestling Changed My Life with Stephen Abbas. To support the podcast, please go to btschicago.org slash donate. Go to Quant Wrestling on the Apple and Google Play stores. Go to spartancombat.com. And for all past episodes, go to wrestlingchangemylife.com. That's it, folks. Enjoy the holiday season. We'll see you next week on Wrestling Changed My Life.